Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. And be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Galatians by looking at Galatians chapter 2. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was Greek. Yet, because of false teachers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me, God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I have died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. As Paul continues his letter, he's addressing a specific teaching that was being taught by Jewish teachers, Jewish teachers who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they understood the Messiah to be the king of the Jews. And for the rest of the world to be accepted by this king, they must be Jews as well. In short, they were telling Gentile Christians that the only way they could be Christians is if they were also Jews and keep the laws that God had given Jewish people. Paul is making it clear that this was never taught by him or the apostles. He goes through the timeline of how he went to the apostles in Jerusalem and presented the message that he had been given by God, and they had absolutely no issue with it. They didn't add anything to it except to make sure that he paid attention to the poor, which he said he was very eager to do. Now, as Paul teaches this to these Gentile Christians, making sure they know that they don't have to first become Jews to be in right standing with God, we learn some things about our own Christianity, principles that should help us understand what it means to have life and liberty as we pursue Jesus. One of the first things that I want to point out is something that Paul said in verse 2. Paul said that I went up because of a revelation and set before them the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had run in vain. Paul makes the point that it is important for Christians who are sharing the gospel, who are living the gospel, to be constantly evaluating the race they are running. Paul wanted to make sure that he wasn't running in vain or had not already run in vain. He was evaluating the race he was running. We need to be constantly asking ourselves questions like, am I on the right course? Am I in the right place? Am I properly equipped? Do I understand the rules? Am I even headed toward the finish line? We need to constantly be evaluating the race we're running. If we are constantly evaluating whether or not we're following in the footsteps of Jesus, we'll know that we're on the right course and running the right race. Another point is in verse 14, where Paul is talking about the fact that Peter acted differently when there were other Jews around, that he treated the Gentiles one way when it was only them, but when other Jews were around, he acted differently, treated the Gentiles differently. And he says, I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. A lesson there for us is that the race we're running should always match the good news that we're proclaiming. If we're sharing the gospel to other people, they should be able to look at our lives and see that that is what we're doing. There will be times when the rules seem confusing, but how are we coming to understand what God wants from us and how we should act? Are we going to him, asking him what we should do, following his principles and his commandments, or are we looking to justify what we've already done? Are we looking to justify ourselves? We also need to realize there will always be those who attempt to take us off course, either because they want control or 
as a means to justify themselves. They don't want to make changes that are in line with God's will, so they try to convince you that it's okay to behave the way they do. There's a problem with changing depending on the circumstances we're in or trying to adjust the gospel to our preconceived notions. It leads to hypocrisy, and that hypocrisy can lead others astray. In verse 13, Paul said the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. We live in a time right now where one of the greatest weapons that Satan has against a lost and dying world is to point out the hypocrisy of people who claim to be Christian. It's very important that the race we're running matches the good news that we're proclaiming. Paul also points out that we are justified by faith. Verse 16 says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say, this is the place where Jews and Gentiles are alike. Jews had rules that were given to them by God. Gentiles did not, but everyone was asked to put their faith in Jesus. It was putting their faith in Jesus that would justify them or put them in the right with God. What does it mean to have a faith that justifies us? Well, for one thing, it means that Walls have been torn down. The walls that divide Jew and Gentile, the walls that separate sinners from God, the walls that keep us from being able to pursue God. When we know that and we trust that and we seek God, we do find him. But it also means that we trust Jesus to set things right with God. We don't try to come up with a solution to make God approve of us. We are content with following in Jesus' footsteps and letting him handle our justification. He sets things right with God. But it also means that we trust Jesus to set things right in our own life, that when there are troubles, when there are decision points in our life, we look to Jesus for the best way to solve those and don't try to solve them on our own. We trust Jesus to set things right in our own lives. Paul also mentions in this chapter that we are crucified with Christ. Now, none of us have literally been crucified. So what is Paul getting at When he says that we've been crucified with Christ, the people he was writing to had not literally been crucified. What did he mean when he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The first thing that we need to take note of is that the life we're living is no longer ours. We don't live. It is Christ living in us. And there is a life being lived in our body of flesh. But since we have been crucified and Christ is living in us and through us, the life that is being lived is one of faith. It's a life that has had its sin paid for by the blood of Christ. It is a life whose guilt has been removed because Jesus paid that price. It is a life that is willing to let sin be replaced and to let Jesus take the sin out of our lives and make us more and more holy. And it is a life that has the power to overcome sin because it has been provided 
through the Holy Spirit. See, a life of faith is not one uh, of discipline where I just make myself do things so that God will be okay with me. It is not a life of discipline. It is a life of devotion. As I devote myself to Jesus and his teaching and his love, I will be the person that God wants me to be. I will be transformed. It will affect my behavior, but it's because of my devotion to Christ, not because I made myself do it. Paul says all of these things are possible because the Son of God loved us and gave himself for us. We need to realize that trying to justify ourselves nullifies grace. When we try to convince God that we've done enough, that we are good enough, that our good outweighs our bad, so somehow God owes us salvation, we nullify the need for grace. When we do that, we're proclaiming that Jesus has died for no purpose. As Christians, we are called to live a certain standard, but it's a life through faith out of devotion to Jesus. It is not merely finding a list of rules and regulations in the Bible, keeping them by sheer force of will, and then going before God and claiming that he owes us something. Let's make sure that we live a life devoted to Jesus because Jesus' death does have purpose. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. 